Welcome to the Property Chit Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Louise Roke, where I talk about everything and anything property. Welcome, Dominique Gunderson. Thank you. So Dominique is a house flipper who lives in the area around Los Angeles. And Dominique is going to tell us how she got into house flipping, what her background is, and just a little bit, I'm going to ask her some questions about what she looks for and what her experiences is, and any advice you can give people who want to get into it. So first of all, thank you and welcome so much. Thanks for having me. So Dominique, what is your background? How did you sort of end up, because I had a quick look at your um, LinkedIn page and I saw that you've got some property background there, but could you just explain that to us? Yeah, sure. So yeah, my background is pretty much all in real estate. I knew since I was in in probably sophomore year of high school, so like 15 years old, that I wanted to flip houses um, when I you know grew up. So I really was kind of the kid in high school that like just focused on studying for like what I wanted to do. Um, I didn't go to college. I had already had my mind set on everything. So yeah, as soon as I graduated, I was only 17 and I started working for a real estate agent really big in the area that I live and really just got like kind of got trained by you know one of the best of the best um, just in learning the contracts and sales and how to talk to people and that was like my first really introduction to real estate and it was from there that I branched out and started working for investing firms um, and really got more experience with the acquisitions of um, you know distressed properties and homes that needed to be renovated. So what year was that? Which one? Did you say de-stressed properties or stressed properties? Yeah, so I started that in 2017. So 2017. Years. So are you talking about, because you've got a little bit different lingo than, than we have, so you're talking about people. Do you call it stress or de-stress? <laughs> um, so yeah, distressed houses. Oh, distress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, produce property. So people who actually pretty much need to sell. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So that would have been quite hard, eh? Um, yes and no. There there's definitely so in the Los Angeles area in general, which is where I started in real estate, it's like over the last couple of years, it's really been kind of transforming certain neighborhoods that used to be, you know, not very safe. Yeah. Um and you know, just a lot of crime and stuff have really been real estate wise transforming. And so you've seen a lot of people going into those neighborhoods, renovating the homes, upping the value of the area, gentrifying a bit, yeah. um, you know, the people that live there. And so in that sense, there's actually kind of a lot of transactions happening um, in the time that I was working here. Now, though, I actually work in New Orleans. Um, so that's where I do my house flipping. So I, I got my start here in Los Angeles working for some other companies. And then when I branched off and started my own business, I went to New Orleans um, just because I was seeing the market shift a little bit here and deals were getting harder to find and all of that. So so basically, when I said a little bit hard, I was talking more about the the people who were in a situation where they, you know, they had to sell their property. What was the main reason why people were having to actually sell their property in 2000? What was it, 17, did you say? Yeah. Um, Honestly, it was, like, so different for for each property that I worked on. I mean, I I bought one that was completely damaged by a fire that their tenant did. So just needed to get rid of the house. 
yeah, just really different situations. Sometimes people are just relocating out of California. I had a couple of those. And yeah, and honestly, a lot of them, sometimes it wasn't so much that the property had to be sold or that the actual seller was in, you know, such a bad position, but it was more so the property that it really was, you know, not up to market value. So we could buy it for a really cheap price. Oh, okay. So it, it was so run down, it wasn't up to market value. And then, okay, right. Oh, that's interesting. Gosh. Yeah. So so when you are going to New Orleans, are you going there? Because I'm trying to think, I've been to New Orleans and it's fabulous to visit, but I can't yeah. quite in my mind think about the um, distance between New Orleans and Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, Mile-wise, I think it's maybe like 2,000 miles yeah, away. Like, so are you physically going to New Orleans on a regular basis, are you? I try to go as much as I can um, with all this coronavirus stuff happening this year. It's a little hard to get flights. Um, the last time I was there was in July. So I do try to go back every couple months. Okay. Okay. So what made you, you know, how did you sort of get the idea of going to New Orleans to do the house flipping? Yeah. So when I was, when I decided to branch out and start my own uh, renovation business, I was looking at markets that um, had an, a lower barrier to entry or just easier to to get started on your own. And the Los Angeles market is very, very expensive, probably similar to a lot of areas of New Zealand. Um, so one of the main things that drew me there was just the price. People to start buying houses for cash. And, you know, I didn't have to work with lenders or, you know, really have anyone else in my way. And then my dad actually lives uh, in the area. And so that's kind of how I you know, knew up knew about it or even knew, you know, where it was. So Oh fantastic. Oh that's great. Yeah, because the same the same things happened over here basically is that, you know, how you was talking about uh Los Angeles and the surrounding areas. Well the same things happened here. Areas that, you know, weren't so desirable have now been, you know, people have come in and renovated them and all the rest of it. So what do you look for when you Look, I'll just tell the audience too, because people can't see you, that we're talking. How old are you, Dominique? I'm 22. Yeah, 22. Wow, that's amazing. So 22 and you've got all this experience. And um, Dominique looks like a real, you know, Los Angeles sort of Californian girl. So um, that's all I'll say on that matter. But it's fantastic. You're a real role model out there for for the younger ladies. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. So, okay, Dominique, so basically... What do you look for when, you, when you're choosing a house to, to do this flipping? I, so the last couple of projects I've done have actually been huge renovations. Um, this last one I, I just finished almost tore down the entire house. So, right. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, you know, as you start opening walls and stuff, it just sometimes goes out of control. Were you a bit worried about that? Yeah, yes and no. I would say I was super confident in that particular deal about the price I bought it for. Right. I knew I got it for a really good price. So even if it needed, you know, more work than I thought I was gonna come out with a good profit, which I did. Yeah. But in general, I try to look for houses that don't need as much construction. I try not to tear houses down. Um, so I'm looking for something that has you know, a bit more cosmetic of updates, needs new kitchen, flooring, paint, bathrooms, stuff like that. If I have to replace plumbing, electrical and stuff that gets more expensive, I will, but I would prefer to avoid those things. So when you go in there, do you get a builder's report? And what about the electrics and the plumbing and all that? Like, I mean, do you get somebody to go in there? I mean, 
I don't know, you might be so experienced that you can see that yourself, but I'm just asking you what what other people do you need to get in there to give you advice or recommendations? Yeah, so the way I've been doing it so far, I've kind of tended to hire individual subcontractors. So someone that's an expert in plumbing, electric, roofing, I'll hire them to do the individual thing. And so honestly, a lot of the houses that I've I've kind of done or seen, it's obvious, it's been kind of obvious, like, okay, this definitely needs a new roof. Let's get a roofer out here to get a bid. But yeah, there's there's certain things that can be harder to tell unless you're an expert. So I, I do, I just call out an expert to, you know, give me a bid, a quote, tell me what's wrong with it. Do you in general get a building report or you've sort of got enough experience where you, you know, like you said, you can generally tell or do you always get a building report? What, what sort of tactic do you use there? I have never gotten one actually. Um, to me, I just kind of know going into it that I'm going to be tearing a bunch of stuff out and a bunch of stuff is going to be changed. So yeah, for me, I, I haven't, if I was like moving into the house new to live in, you know, every time I sell a house to a new end buyer, they always get one. So what are some of the things that you particularly look for when you're actually buying a property? So right now I'm only buying single family residences, not multifamily. So I want it to be single family. Again, like I said, hopefully not crazy amount of work, like tearing the house down, just reasonable updating. And then you know, obviously the price is key. Um, I want to get it to a point where generally I tend to shoot for calculating everything that I think I'm going to need to put into the project. So the purchase price of the house, cost of the renovation, any closing costs I'm going to have. And once I calculate that number, I want to try to make 20% of that. Right. Okay. So that's your sort of rule of thumb is 20%. Yeah. That's usually what I shoot for. If it's going to be a quick project, I'll, you know, maybe take a little less or a long project, I'll want more. But generally, that's what I'd like to get. Now, what about, um, you know, some of these houses, I'd imagine they're quite run down. So what about the landscaping of a, a property? You know, it kind of, it's the, the area of New Orleans where I'm kind of investing, it's, it's definitely not the highest end area with the highest end clientele. So Honestly, I haven't done that much for landscaping. Uh, I usually focus more on the building, so I want to make sure the roof looks perfect, the siding is really nice with a good paint on it, stuff like that. Um, but for landscaping, I've typically just made sure that there's grass in the yard and on a couple of like flower flower beds, you know, near the door. Right. So you'll go, you'll go literally, and and um, what will you get? False grass, or will you just sow some grass? Or I've done both. Yeah, I've I've gotten sod with. Yeah, the, the grass where you just buy it in the, the strips and put it down. Um, and So you just make it look neat and tidy and get some nice flowers and put them in, in pots sort of thing by the front door and things like that? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, that's really good to know. So do you actually sell the properties yourself or do you actually get a real estate agent to sell them for you? I have a real estate agent there that does it. A realtor, sorry, I should say yeah. realtor. Realtor. <laughs> <laughs> so you have somebody who you work with over there and is it the same person all the time um I have worked with the same person on all of the sales that I've done purchase properties I've worked with a couple of different agents if an agent brings me a deal I'd like to work with them you know give them the commission and then moving forward I I have a project that I'm about to purchase right now that's in kind of a specific neighborhood so I'm actually going to be working with an agent that knows that neighborhood very very well but I wouldn't say I'm tied to one 
So what do you look for when you actually are choosing an agent, a sales consultant, a realtor? Yeah, I typically look for volume. That's just me. Um, I like to see someone who's sold a lot of deals in the area that I'm going to be selling mine. I like to know that they might have higher clients that they can bring to me, which you know, the agent that I've worked with so far has done that. He's, he's listed and sold some of my homes. So I like that. But yeah, really just volume and experience is pretty much Yeah, the experience. And also, like you said, if they're, they're working in the area, they know the area. That's the difference, isn't it, too? If you have got some agent who has got experience. Right. That a lot, doesn't it? So what have you learned as far as if, if somebody was going to start in this business, if somebody came to you and said, listen, I, I really like what you're doing and I think I might, have, might want to do it as well. Can you give me some advice? What are some of the you know, top things that comes to mind that you think, oh, God, if I, if I had my time again, I, I, you know, I'd, I'd know this and I'd know this. You know what I mean? Like what are some of the pieces of advice that you could give somebody who wants to start out doing this? Yeah, I would say, so this is actually something that I did. I can't say like I did it the wrong way, but I really appreciate this part of kind of the, the path that I took is really just starting in the business somewhere before I actually branched off and started my own. When I was, you know, in high school and just like learning all this stuff and knew that I wanted to do this, I really, really wanted to flip houses like when I was 16. <laughs> what gave you that idea? Sorry to interrupt you, but what gave you that idea? It's an unusual thing for a young 16-year-old girl to do, isn't it? So I'm just wondering where you got that idea from. What what light bulb moment or who did you meet? Yeah. So my mom was buying um, her first house when I was around that age. And I had like literally never known anything about real estate before. My parents didn't own real estate or anything. So it was kind of just like going through that process and learning a bit more about what it was and how cool of a business you could, you know, turn that into. Like there's so much to do with real estate. That was like my first introduction and then just learning more and more about it just made me more and more interested. Yeah. Yeah. So you were telling us about Yeah, so I really, if I like had the money in my hands, would have loved to have flipped a house back then. Um, (laughs) I'm so, so glad that I didn't. Like that was a huge thing for me is looking back now, just realizing how many different, you know, pieces of the business I've worked in under other people before I branched out. Um, Just, you know, working for an agent and learning the contracts and learning sales and then working for investment firms and learning acquisitions and learning construction and all these different pieces, I think it was really important for me to learn all those things where I didn't have the full risk on me and then feel really comfortable when I'm ready to step out. Like, I know exactly what it takes to buy a house. Like, I mean, if you've never done it before, there's so much just, you know, filling out all the paperwork and going through escrow that you would have no idea, you know, what to even do. And so I highly recommend to do it, to go through that process, shadow someone else or something. Well, it's not all the risk on your shoulders. That's right. You're right, because there's so many things that are involved. And also there's so many people who tell you this, that and the other thing, but you learn by experience and you learn from other people who are in it. But, I mean, you've got an amazing amount of experience, really, haven't you, for your age. I mean, it's quite incredible, actually. Thank you. I appreciate it. What's next for you as far as... You know, have you thought about sort of branching out and doing any training or anything like that? Or um, Not at the moment. 
right now I'm really just trying to continue to grow, you know, my flipping business, um, just continue to do more and more houses. And um, actually pretty exciting right now. I'm just beginning to start buying rentals as well. I was just going to ask you that. Are you keeping any of your houses? That's what I was just going to say to you. Yeah, I haven't yet, but I'm in escrow right now to buy my first one that I'm going to keep. So, yeah, I'm really excited to start learning more about, you know, being a land. This term escrow over there, can you just explain to the listeners what that means? Yeah, so escrow is just basically the third party that mediates the sale between the buyer and the seller. So they're going to be the one that holds all the contracts, make sure all the funds are distributed properly, stuff like that. Right. So when you actually sell a property over there, do you need to go through solicitors or conveyancing companies? Or I'm not sure if it's the same term, but we have what's called title companies out here. Um, yeah, it sounds like it's probably the same idea. Basically, just gives you the background and history of everything that's happened to that property um, as far as who's bought it, who's sold it, you know, if there had been any liens on it or anything like that. What about, what about council regulations over there? Like we have something over here that's called um, Code of Compliance, okay? So when basically what that means is that when a house is built, it's it has to be built up to a certain code. Yeah, we have that as well. So, yeah, based on which city the New Orleans uh, area, for example, based on what city your house is in, um, there's different codes for each city. So you really just have to go to the city when you're pulling permits for your renovation and just see what what standards they have. As far as permits and things go in New Orleans, do you sort of organize that? And when do you need to do that? For instance, if if you're changing like for like, do you, you know, you've got a kitchen here and you're pretty much putting, you're renovating it, but it's pretty much back in the same place how flexible are these permits i mean when do you need these permits to do stuff yeah so it really depends on the city but in general you will need to pull a permit at the beginning of the renovation before you do anything so so that means submitting plans and everything and all the rest of it exactly so you'll see that um really the main difference in the new orleans area specifically is some cities require you to actually have a contractor who's licensed pull those permits right even if you're just you know taking out a bathroom vanity and bathtub and you know retiling it and putting in a new one and it basically looks the same just newer you're going to have to pull a permit, and in certain cities, you have to have a contractor pull that permit. In other cities, you can pull it as the homeowner. So so if you were, if you were doing that yourself, do you do that yourself? Do you put the permit in yourself? Um, I actually don't physically do it because I'm not there. Um, I have a team on the ground that does it for me. And yeah. Right. Okay. So basically, you have to get somebody who does these plans and put them in. So how long do you have to wait till you get this permit usually? Like in New Orleans, how long have you had to wait before you can go ahead? So, yeah, in general, you would apply at the beginning of your um, process and then every time you finish an item, so if you need like a permit for electrical, once the electrical is done, they just come out and inspect it. And as long as everything's good, they'll sign off and tell you that you're good to continue. Right. Oh, brilliant. So you do any work yourself physically on any of these properties? You know, I wish I could do more. When I do go to the city, um, I do I do try to, to do as much as I can in the, the short trips while I'm there. But because I am from a distance the majority of the time, I don't end up doing a lot of it. Yeah, no, that's good. So do you actually have a project manager then? Because you're not there. 
Do you have somebody who is overseeing? I do. Yeah. So when I actually started this um, business in New Orleans, it worked out really good because my dad, who lives there, um, was actually kind of looking for some work at the time. And so he kind of came on with me and um, I've actually tasked him with that role. So that's been really Is he up to the job? He's done a great job. Absolutely great job. Oh, that's what you need because I think that's probably one of the hardest things. I've seen people who have been building or renovating from a distance and the stress that they've gone through, unless you've actually got a really reliable project manager, it can be, you know, quite scary actually. Basically, you're looking, have you got sort of a, a plan where you might, what are you thinking about? Buying one, flipping one, buying one, flip, I mean, keeping one, flipping one. Have you got any sort of ideas about about um, that? For now, I'm probably not going to keep too, too many of them. Um, majority still just flipping and reselling. The particular, well, for example, this one rental that I'm about to purchase is not one that I'm going to be doing any renovations on. It's it's just already a decent shape property, and it, is it already rented out? It's already rented, so yeah. So I'm for rentals. I'm kind of looking more so for properties like that where they're already in decent shape. Maybe have a renter there, and versus the flipping, I'd rather it be in terrible shape and I'll go in and fix it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. So what is probably, have you had any one experience that sort of comes to mind where it was, you, you were a bit worried and it was maybe you thought, oh God, I've really gone in too deep here or something. Is there one property that you bought that you thought, oh God, I wish I never did? Um, I can't say I've bought any that I wish I didn't, but I will say this. I bought this property over the summer that I wasn't able to go inside or anyone was able to go inside before I bought it. And it was just a really good price. It was right around the corner from the other property I was working on at the time. So I decided to do it. <laughs> and as soon as we, I closed on it and was able to go inside, I realized how much of a wreck this property was. <laughs> so you actually never did get inside? I did not. No. Did not see anything. And yeah, I even got like a few people to come and give me bids on it. And they were all like, you know, this is probably just a tear down. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and you went, nah, you don't know what I know. <laughs> um, that one. So you did, what did you do? Did you build I it didn't. Up? So what actually happened with that one, which was really lucky and crazy, is I partnered up with someone I know in the area who wholesales properties. I'm not sure if that's a thing out in. No, so basically, it means you have a person who's willing to sell their property usually for under market value and you get the rights to that contract. So you go to the seller and say, hey, I'm going to buy your property for $100,000, let's just say. And then you also have a, a group or a list of buyers who actually want to buy these you know, homes that need work. And you tell your buyers that you're gonna buy, you're gonna sell them this property for a hundred and ten thousand dollars. Let's just say you make ten thousand dollars just by you know setting up that deal essentially between this seller and this buyer that you know. So I, I knew someone in the area who who does that a lot, and I approached him with this property and said, hey, if you want to you know kind of split that fee with me, if you could find a buyer, let's do it. 
And within a day, he found me a buyer who wanted to take on this project. And we ended up still making like, man, probably like 22% on the money we had invested on that project in like 20 days. So good on you. It's fantastic. Yeah, it worked out. But if I had to keep that, that would have been a, a, a nightmare for sure. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah, probably wouldn't have um, made made as much money if exactly. you did something, was it? What sort of you're saying? Um, Twenty days. What is the market like over there at the moment? Let's talk about the New Orleans market because that's where yeah. you're working. Um, what 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 do you just describe that market at the moment? It's very hot. Um, there are tons of people really? buying houses right now. Interest rates are extremely low. And one, well, how low are you talking about there? Most of, most buyers can receive anywhere from like three to four percent right now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Same. They're, they're basically the same as over in New yeah. Zealand at the moment. Um, one thing that's really big in the particular area of uh, New Orleans that I invest is called FHA loans. I'm not sure if they have a similar thing there, but it basically means it's a, a loan that you can get when you're under a certain income bracket. So lower class, lower income earning um, people can receive these loans where they have to put a very small amount down on the property um, and they can still get, you know, a good interest rate and everything and own a home. So a lot of the people in the particular area I am use those types of loans. They do a low percent down and, you know, kind of get that, that extra. What is the normal deposit rate that somebody would expect, you know, not on these low ones, but on the normal ones, what, what sort of deposit rate do people normally put down on properties? Um, it's usually here? 20%. And Yes, on these FHA ones, it's usually about three or four percent, much less. And roughly, what is the you know average sort of price that you would be looking at to purchase a place in New Orleans? Say the ones that you're sort of looking. Usually, at? I purchase them for anywhere a hundred thousand dollars and under. God, Very inexpensive. Yes. That's incredible. I mean, do you actually think that what what sort of is is it on a little piece of land too? Yeah. Yep. Oh, gosh. Well, look, you might get a lot of Kiwis. Yeah, yeah right? <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, Auckland and New Zealand, I mean, it, it's become so incredibly expensive. Um, I think the average price in the whole of New Zealand now sits somewhere about 675000 You know, that's the average in, in the whole of New Zealand, and I'm talking about, you know, with both the North and South Island, and Auckland has just got crazy. So, okay, let's say a hundred thousand dollars. So, would you be selling it for like one hundred twenty thousand or something, one hundred twenty-two thousand or whatever after you've done it, or one hundred forty? Yeah. So, um, I'll give you an example. So, property I'm about to purchase today, actually, um, is I'm buying it for ninety-five thousand, uh, hoping to put about thirty thousand into it. So, we'll be all in for. Well, also have to put closing costs and realtor fees and stuff, but hoping to be in for it for no more than like 130 to 140, somewhere around there on the high. And then resale for that should be around like 175. So there are still places. The market for buying a half decent house there is around 200, is it? What is the average sort of price? Of yeah, exactly. So if it's once it's renovated, you can definitely sell it for, you know, Depending on how big the house is and where it is, somewhere between you know one twenty-five to two hundred thousand, kind of in the area that I'm working. Yeah. But if you go into the city, if you go into the city more of New Orleans, it's it's still very expensive. It's much more like uh, New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah. Right. What sort of rent would you be looking at? Because you were talking about you were looking at one that was 
you know, that you're buying for that that already had tenants yeah. in it. What sort of wage return are you, what are people paying per week over there? So they actually typically go by month out here, but this particular one is renting for 1100 per month. And say so nearly $300 a week. Yes. Yeah. Almost $100 a week. Yeah. yeah. So that's a good return. Yeah. Isn't it? It's pretty good. Um, yeah. That the mortgage and all expenses on that one comes out to about $600 a month. So have about five hundred dollars. That's amazing. I mean, you'd think, wouldn't you? Then more people would be actually going and buying. Is that why people are going and buying houses? I mean, the rent is it doesn't seem to be sort of on the same level as actually purchasing a house. You'd be better off exactly. Purchasing. Yeah, most of the people in the area. Again, it's it's kind of that down payment that's like really hard for people. Like even with the J loans in this area, where you barely have to put anything down compared to a normal loan. People are usually spending like everything they've saved to get that amount. Yeah, to put down. On the deposit. And what about marketing? Do you, you know, just say that you finished a property and you haven't got any offers and so you want to put it publicly for sale. Is there anything that you actually, you know, recommend for marketing or how do you market it? Where does it go? I don't actually typically do the marketing. Um, the realtor that I hire tends to do that as part of their fee yeah so you don't worry too much about it you just I really do, do yeah um but they they've been really good they you know make sure it's on all of the real estate websites you know they make sure to do showings and have a lockbox at the house so agents can take their buyers over there yeah do they do do they do open homes over there as well they do except not right now because of covid they aren't allowed. Oh, of course yeah of course and what about staging a property? How do you present the property when it's for sale? Do you put furniture in it or anything like that? Or do you just leave it open? I've never staged. I've always left it blank. And mainly that's because of the price point I'm working in. It's pretty low price. Um, yeah. People don't expect that. But in a higher price point, I would I would definitely look into staging. Yeah. Staged. Oh, that's fantastic. Gosh, what, what a great, great experience you've got. And really fabulous uh, talking about you know what's happening over there so I'm really sorry to hear about how bad I mean you quite in lockdown still over there aren't you um it's it's okay uh you know a lot of the a lot of the businesses and everything you still have to you know make sure you're wearing a mask stay socially distanced um at least out here in California we we don't have any restaurants eating indoors anything like that but there's still there's still a lot of uh restrictions but overall you know it's you can still enjoy life. <laughs> oh, that's good. So you're no. not like New York then. <laughs> I don't think it's that bad. Yeah. Just one more question for you, actually, and it's just completely gone on my head. Oh, I was going to say, well, you know, with New Orleans, now, what was that they that they have had in the past, not that long ago, was it the um, disasters? Now, uh, was it a, a, I'm trying to think, was it a tornado or something? Or what was it, the flooding or yeah, fire? They, or what was they it? are known for uh, hurricanes, mainly. Hurricane yeah, they do get a lot so, yeah. of hurricanes, yeah. which also can cause flooding. So there was a couple of hurricanes in the last few weeks that kind of went through the area, but they went around in New Orleans. So no, nothing has happened recently. Because no, okay. I was just saying, is, has there been a lot of houses destroyed? Because I did think there were. And do you worry about that as far as when you're Yeah, buying, so flooding you know? is definitely a concern in the area. I forget which year it was, but... Probably like 15 years ago, there was Hurricane Katrina. A lot of the city has kind of changed since then to prevent, you know, a disaster that big again. So there's a lot of houses that are built higher up now and just 
you know, things done to prevent flooding, but there are still what are called flood zones in the area. And so every house falls into a particular flood zone. And if you're in a zone that is at higher risk, you do have to obtain flood insurance in order to live. And uh, it's very expensive. So I have I've definitely stayed out of the flood zones. Yeah, that's good. I was I was wondering about that. Yeah, I was wondering about that. So that's that's great because that's another yeah, whole exactly. Oh well, look, thank you so much. It's it's been a wonderful story for people to hear, actually. Thank you. Yeah, it's been great to be here. Thanks for having me. And it's making me want to go to New Orleans again. God, it's fantastic. I'll tell you what, I love the comedy and everything. You know how you can just walk into a bar or something and and have these people on stage doing the music and the comedies and uh, stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you got a good spot to go down with you and your hubby and, and have some um, exactly, relax time yeah. when you're down there. <laughs> well, listen, thanks so much, Dominique. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you and, and it's it's really been a great insight to see what's going on on the other side of the world, actually. Yeah, thank you. It's been great talking to you. I'm sure you've inspired some um, young females to get out there. And Thank you. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> Well, listen, I'll be in touch anyway, and um, we'll talk soon. And if you're ever down this way, don't forget to look me up. Sounds good. Have a good one. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks, Dominique. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Property Chit Chat. Subscribe to hear all our episodes. If you want further information, visit goodtonic.co.nz and hit the Property Chit Chat tab. Till next time, over and out.